Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Bump your neighbor. Tell them they look good in church. And you can be seated. Come on, even if you've got to bend the truth a little bit. Thank you, Lord, for your presence and your word. If it's your first time here with us, thank you for coming out to New Heights Church. There's a card right here. It should be in the front of your chair in front of you. Uh, If you'd fill that out, we'd love to know that it's your first time here. And if after service, drop that by the tent if you haven't been by there already because we have a gift just for you to say we are so glad that you came to worship with us. Amen? Amen. Open your Bible to John 3.16. Very popular text, praise the Lord. Very popular text. For God so loved the church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Everybody say only begotten. That means the only one born of God. There's only one that is born of God. Everybody else, listen to this, has to be born again. Everybody else has to choose Jesus. Jesus didn't have to choose himself. Kind of makes sense if you think about it. He's the only one born of God. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, everybody say whosoever, whosoever. that whosoever would believe uh, in him should not perish but have everlasting Life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Everybody say saved. When you get saved and you know it, something just comes over you. I remember there was this uh, uh, song we used to sing uh, back when we sang more out of hymnals. And it, it talked about how we love God because he first loved us. And, and I remember thinking, I was like, when I was a kid, I was like, well... I didn't have the chance to love him first. Maybe I would have loved him first. But the truth is, when you get older, you get a little bit more mature. You go through some stuff, praise the Lord. Then all of a sudden, you realize that he has actually rescued you. He has ransomed you. He has saved you. Now, all of a sudden, you start going, you you, you all of a sudden get old school, and you just grab your little hanky, and you start going, oh, thank you for saving me, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I throw in the towel. You first love me, praise the Lord. There's something about living for God that when you find out you are saved, everything begins to shift. Now, saved is important. We have to understand how we are saved. And the Bible says uh, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, it is by grace that we are saved. Everybody say grace. Grace Grace means unmerited favor. That means you, you can't do anything to get saved. That means, that means God, he, he, he had it like this. If there was a ladder to try to get you from where you were to where God is, it was an impossible ladder to climb. So God, by unmerited grace, threw the ladder away and said, I'm giving you a free gift of salvation. By grace, you are saved. But then it says, comma, through faith. Everybody say faith. 
So we have to understand what faith is. And faith is the conduit whereby everything in the kingdom flows. And when I say kingdom, I'm specifically talking about those who know Jesus Christ and call him their savior. Uh, So faith is the kingdom, uh, is the conduit that everything in the kingdom flows. It's impossible to please God without faith, the Bible says. So if faith is the conduit, faith is what everything flows through, then we have to come to a very strong understanding of what faith is because faith is how we, in fact, please God. It was by grace... Through faith that we're actually saved. So we got to figure out what faith means. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to turn there. If not, we'll throw it up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 11. uh, It's one of the best books in the whole Bible. One of the best chapters in the whole Bible. If you're ever feeling a little down and out, you need to read the book of Hebrews. Chapter 11 and chapter 12. All of a sudden, you'll feel energy come back into the marrow of your bones. And you'll be ready to go another 12 rounds. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to find out God's New Testament definition of faith. The Bible says, now faith is. Everybody say now. Faith has a timetable. Faith is not tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Faith is now. Now faith is. Is is also a present tense participle. Now faith is. Is. Remember when God said, when, when, when Moses asked God, he said, who should I even tell people that you are when Moses first met God? And he said, I am that I am. I am present and I am present. You see what I'm saying? Now faith is. Faith is present. Now faith is. You don't start believing God for a new marriage and plan on believe God for a, a better marriage next month. Now faith is. You begin to believe God right now. You begin to believe God. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Everybody say substance. Substance is a very powerful word in the original text. It literally means the foundation. It's what we stand on. Faith is what we stand on. When you go ahead and concede that I live by what I cannot see more than I live by what I can see then everything and everybody that comes against you and tries to knock you off of your uh, belief structure now no longer has anything that they can discuss because the unseen world is in fact what we stand on. Now faith is the substance. It is the foundation. It's what I stand on. It is what I build everything else off of. So when you start trying to split atoms and split hairs with me, you're going to end up running out of breath because I wasn't building my belief structure on what I can put in my fingers. I was building my belief structure on the substance, on the foundation of what I can't even see. The substance of things hoped for. Uh, some people uh, in this life, not many that I know of, but some people have actually seen heaven uh, before they actually go there and reside for all eternity. They come back with great stories. God shows them in a dream or a vision. They come back with great stories. There's many great books out there uh, where people have seen heaven. Uh, I'm not saying I don't believe it. Most of them I do believe. Uh, but at the same time, generally speaking, most people will not see heaven until they get there and reside there. Does that make sense? But heaven does, in fact, exist. Somebody give me a big amen. It is the substance of what I am hoping for. I believe heaven is a place where Jesus is, even though I've never seen it. You see what I'm saying? 
It is the substance of what I am hoping. I am believing that, that, that heaven is in fact there even though I've never seen it. So this idea of an argument that says, well, how do you know heaven's there? You've never even seen it. I just smile and say, exactly. Because I wasn't believing on what I see. I believe on what I don't see more than what I see. Now, if you're new to faith and you've never heard anything like this, I just want you to put your seatbelt on for a minute and listen to me for about 30 minutes because by the time this thing's over, the Spirit of God's going to come on you and you're going to believe God at a level you've never believed Him. But if you have been living by faith for more than five minutes, you have found out that living by faith is not a way to do it. It's the only way to do it, bless God. Living by faith means when bad news comes, I still believe God. Living by faith means when good news comes, I still believe God. Living by faith means when something in the middle comes, not good, not bad, I still believe God. When I understand it, I believe God. When I don't understand it, I believe God. Faith is the substance. It is the foundation of what I am hoping for. Faith is not something that that, that I have to conjure up and work myself into a lather to do. Faith is the foundation of everything we believe. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, is seated next to his Father in heaven, preparing a place for you and for me. And it is faith and faith alone that will empower you to believe that in the face of all adversity. Faith is the substance of what we hope for and is the evidence. Everybody say evidence. Evidence. It's the evidence of things not seen. How do you know God even exists? Well, faith is my evidence. Faith is what means I believe it. You see, faith is, faith is a, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful thing that you can grab a hold of in the body of Christ because faith will allow you to move mountains by believing what God said. Faith is the evidence. Evan, if you go to court for anything, they're going to ask you for evidence that will either convict you or set you free. They will say, you will say, well, I think you did this. You say, man, I wasn't even in the same town that that happened that day. The judge is going to say, well, if you have some evidence that will prove that you were not in town, now all of a sudden that can change the situation. Our faith is the very evidence of what we can't see. So when you feel like your faith or your walk with God is pushed back on the ropes, either by what you're experiencing, what your mind is saying to you, because here's the thing, Every thought that comes in your mind is not your thought. And you are not responsible for every thought that comes in your mind. But you are responsible for what you do with that thought. Sometimes it's just a little fiery dart trying to see, can I get them to sit there and think about that other woman? Ooh, it gets quiet in the library when you talk like that. Can I get them to think about that other man? Can I get them to think about it? Can I, just a little fiery dart. Now, if you go, oh, not even, not a chance. Now, all of a sudden, it's completely off your radar. You, get, you begin to move forward in the things of God. But if, if you think every thought is your thought, you'll spend time for repenting for stuff that you didn't even do. I'll never forget. I was uh, trying to think the last time I did something wrong. I think it was like 1984. Praise the Lord. <laughs> i never forget, I was in Houston, Texas, and our pastor was a great man, and he was preaching one day, and he said this, and it completely changed my life, because I was probably 20, I hadn't been married long, I was probably 22 or 23, 
And I, I would, you know, these little thoughts would come in my head. And I would always just, I'd be like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I can't, I don't know why I thought that. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. You know, I'm, I'm spending time, you know, a quiet time. I'm at church. You know, when the doors are open, I'm standing outside. When it's not open, praise Lord. I don't know what else to do. You know, I speak in tongues more than speaking English. Lord, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, the preacher stood up there and said, temptation to sin is not sin. And if you're tempted and you keep repenting for what you didn't do, the devil will just keep tempting you because if he can keep you repenting for what you didn't do, you won't stay focused on what God has called you to do. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes it's the enemy just throwing a thought at you. So you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off in traffic and you have the thought, I ought to tell them they're number one. Praise the Lord. <laughs> now you don't do it. Don't grab a, a, you know, a whip and, 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 and flog yourself the rest of the day. I can't believe I had that thought that I was going to, I'm just, I didn't, you didn't do it. You were tempted to do it, praise the Lord, but you did not do it. Now, the reason I say you're responsible for what you do with that thought is because there's a couple of, it's not, it's not like black and white. You can, you can, you can do it and then, hey, you shouldn't have done it, you know, repent, you know, turn from it and, and, and move forward. But there's other options than that. You cannot do it and still just say, well, I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to set it up here on the dash for a minute and I'm going to think about it. I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, it would feel good. Boy, I tell you what, I tell them they're number one. What if I told them they were number 11? Praise the Lord. Wouldn't that be good? And you're sitting there conversing with this thought that wasn't your thought, but you're responsible for what you do with the thought. Your Bible says that you cast down vain imaginations. You arrest those imaginations and every thought that is contrary to the word of God. And when you do that, now all of a sudden God begins to trust you with the bigger, more important things than how you wave your fingers around. So literally in our life, it's imperative to recognize that God so loved the world that he gave his own son so that we could be saved. We are saved by grace through this thing called faith. And faith is the evidence of what we cannot see. And it is the substance of what we are hoping for. It is the foundation of what we are hoping for. So if we're going to get anywhere in the kingdom of God, in this atmosphere, in this realm, since we are ambassadors, we have to understand what does faith actually do for us when it comes to loving the world. You see, loving the world is not an option in Christianity. Let me rephrase that. It's not an option if you want to be effective for God. Because he's saying, I so loved the world that he gave. You and me have to get to the point where by faith we begin to understand that our obligation, nay, our opportunity is to love the world just like God loved the world. Somebody say amen. The starting point to understand the love of God is faith. In other words, we have to believe what we can't see. We have to stand on a foundation that we can't touch. And then we have to understand what love actually means. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 itemizes love very clearly. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not envious. It doesn't boast. If you find yourself 
not being kind or not being patient with the world, it's imperative that we just flip the script, if you will, and say, I'm going to be kind to the world. I'm going to be patient with the world. I'm going to be kind to people that don't know Jesus. I'm going to be, I'm going to be patient with people that don't. I'm not going to be envious of their lifestyle. The Bible says that, 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 that love is not envious or boastful. And I've heard a lot of people's testimony over the years because I've been saved pretty much my whole life. I don't even remember the first time I gave my heart to Jesus. But what I'm saying is some people's testimony sounds like they're magnifying what they used to do more than they're magnifying what God has done. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. Some people say, man, I I was... And your testimony doesn't have to be crazy. Your testimony just needs to be yours. Because people want to know what really happened more than they want to be astounded by what could have happened. You see what I'm saying? So if your testimony is, I was raised on a church pew and I never turned uh, away from God. And I did a couple of things, but I really, you know, that's as powerful as if I, if you did, you know, 700 kinds of different drugs a year or a day and then God rescued you from us. It's just the same power in that testimony. But if your testimony sounds like this, boy, when I... When I, when I was in the world, did I tie one on? I'm talking about, ooh, I was the guy to hang out with. And, and I was, you know, I, if there was a fist fight going on, I was in the middle of it. Oh, praise the Lord. That's not me now, you know. And when I was in the world, you could find me at the bar at 7 o'clock in the morning. Rooster be crowing. I'd still be there. <laughs> praise the Lord. And then all of a sudden, testimony gets to... And then Jesus saved me. Now, wait a minute. You talked about the world. And then you said, and then Jesus saved me. The truth of the matter is, your testimony is what God empowers you not to convince people of how bad you used to be, but of how good God is. So we ought to spend, listen, if your testimony includes any of those things that I just said, I'm not telling you don't say them. I'm just saying, I want you to take the emphasis off of the old person that you were and put it on the new person that God has made you. Somebody give God a hand of praise in the house. First John chapter four, verse number seven. First John chapter four, verse number seven. We're going to get a couple of definitions for love. First Corinthians 13 is phenomenal, but verse seven says this. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. I'm going to read that again. Let's love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God. Your translation might say this, has been fathered by God. Anybody that loves one another is, is born of God and knows God. But have you ever had anybody say this to you? You look just like your daddy. You look just like your mom. I remember growing up, I would get it all the time. You look just like your daddy. And, and, and uh, uh, people, would say, people would say that all the time to me. They don't say it as much anymore. But they used to say that all the time to me. And, and there's something whenever you have been, uh, uh, that when your parents start like rubbing off on you. And can I just say it differently? Have you ever said something to your kids and be like, was my mom just here? Did she say that? Because you're saying exactly what they used to say. My grandmother used to say this. You'd roll the window down in the car because, you know, 
kids roll windows down in cars, praise the Lord. Now we got those door, those window locks. They didn't have that when I was growing up. So you get in there and roll it down and she'd look over at you. She'd say, every time you do that is one less time it's going to work. I mean, the math works if you divide by two and carry the four square root. Reasonable. The other day I'm sitting there and it wasn't me. I don't know if I've ever said it before, but, but one of the kids did something and Chris looks at him and says, every time you do that, it's one less time it's going to work. I'm like, what is happening in here? <laughs> because when you're parented, when it's, things start to rub off on you. So what the Lord's saying here is when you love one another, love is of God and everybody that loves, now you start to look like your father in heaven. Now you say, how attractive is God, right? He's like, He's like a flame and moths just fly to him, you know, because he's, he's, so, he's so enticing because he, he always thinks the best about you. He always gives you the benefit of the doubt. And even when you said, I'll never do it again, I'll never do it again. And then before the week is over, you did it again. He's still the one that forgives you. He's still the one that turns away wrath and turns away the punishment and says, you know what? Hey, come on back. I'm a good father. And when you love the world, you start to look like your dad. You start to look like God in that regard. Then the Bible says, verse 8, He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. He that knows, he that loves not. The person that doesn't walk in love, they don't know God. If you ask God, hey, God, would you tell me, would you mind, what, you know, how can I define you? And you would get ready, you would have your thesaurus, easy for you to say, thesaurus out, so that you could write down all the big words he was about to say. How do I define you, God? What what can I say about you that would help people understand? And he goes, yeah, here it is real quick. L-O-V-E. God is love. He's not kind of love. He's not a part of love. God is love itself. The, the, the reality is, it says those who don't, who don't love, they don't know God. Let me give you just an example. Recently, this past week, our nation's had a very uh, interesting two weeks. Uh, we had the, the uh, white supremacists have, have decided they were going to pop their head up and start acting like they were going to do something. And they were going to, they're spitting all this stuff and they, they're waving Nazi signs and all these other things. They're, they're anti-black uh, 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 people. They're anti-brown people. They're anti-anybody that's not white. And then they're also anti-Jewish uh, people. But the problem is they're saying they are Christians. Many of them were carrying Bibles around. But the Bible says that if you don't love, then you do not know God. And, and, and the, 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 the craziness of it is they're saying they are Christians, but the problem is they're also saying that they, they don't like Jews and the Jews are the problem, when in fact, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is Jewish, his mama is Jewish, his stepdaddy is Jewish, and all of his 12 apostles were Jewish. If you're walking around saying, I'm a Christian and I don't like Jews, and you're trying to use the Bible to do it for a Jewish Savior who literally gave his life, let me tell you something. You're a whole nother level of stupid. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Come on, can we say that in church? You're a whole nother kind of messed up. 
If you're going to use that, the, the Bible says if you do not walk in, you do not know, you don't even know God if you don't walk in love. Have you ever been in a service, it was getting close a minute ago, uh, when, when the presence of the Lord is just so strong and, every, and, and, and people just start crying all around you? Who's ever been in a service like that? Just raise your hand. You just crying all around. You, just, uh, you don't even have to be a nice person. You could be like one of those porcupines that throws their quills up and walks backwards everywhere they go. And before that, that service is over, you just want to hug everybody. Right, so God, tell you what, I don't usually act like this. Oh, God, it's so good. Woo! That's because God is love. And when you get around Him, love just gets all over you and gets, and then you just start dripping with it and you're walking everywhere and you start opening the door for people and, and now it turns into a standoff. You're like, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. Because love is so enticing. The world doesn't need to know how wrong it is. It pretty much knows that. The world needs to know that Jesus loves it. Jesus loves them so much that he was willing to give his life in hopes that they would exchange their wicked life for a new life in him. And the only reason I say they is not to point fingers. It's just because if you have called on the name of the Lord, now you're a part of the family. He said, you have to understand If you don't love, then you don't even know God. In this manner, in this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son to the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, here's love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Here is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He said, let me define love for you clearly. Love is the fact that I loved them first and gave. In other words, if we're going to reach the world, we absolutely have to extend the olive branch first. In other words, we cannot look and say, when they're patient with me, then I'll be patient with them. No, we have to be first at being patient. When they're kind to me, I'll be kind to them. No, we have to be first at being kind. For this is love. Not that they loved us, but that we first loved them. The Bible says that when we decide to be first in this area, that literally we are modeling after, we are a model. We look like what Jesus looked like in that day. We look like what Jesus walked like in that day. Literally deciding, let me, this is the recipe also by and large for a total, uh, uh, peaceful household. Your whole house will be peaceful if you decide my whole family, we're going to all try to be first. Not first in the, you know, line to get the macaroni and cheese off the stove. That's not what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. I'm talking about the first to forgive. The first to look away when somebody has done something they shouldn't have done. The first to say, it's more important to me to have peace in this house than it is for me to be right. 
When you decide, I'm going to be the first, the Bible says this, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. If you're, if you're a husband and wife, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of Bible verses that we can understand and we can apply them into our family. But let me just tell you one that just works day after day after day after day. Don't you go to bed angry with your husband or your wife. Well, I got to get some sleep. You don't want to get a divorce. Sleep tomorrow. But find a way to get over this. And when both of you, because a successful marriage, let me tell you something. A successful marriage is not a give and take. It's a give and give. And when both of you are trying to be first, I'm talking about for real now. If we just talk for like 10 more seconds on this. I'm talking about for real. When both of you are trying to be first. Listen, I just, I just to start with, I just want to say I'm sorry. If I did anything or, or if I didn't do something or any of the above. How many of you wouldn't bother if your spouse said that to you? Just wave your hand. just like that. How many of you have never said that? No, don't do that. Don't really. <laughs> this is the recipe for a successful relationship. Works with your kids too. If you miss the mark, mom and dad, it's not like you don't lose your authority if you tell them you missed the mark. If you, if you shouldn't have said it and you said it, bless God and say, whoa, hey, I wish I hadn't said that. That wasn't what I wish I'd have said. Let me tell you something. What will happen is they'll end up respecting you more because of your humility. Because the Bible says if we will humble ourselves, the Bible says God will lift us up. Somebody give God a big hand of praise. <laughs> I'm going to close with this. If we're going to walk by faith, we have to understand love. If we're going to understand love, we have to walk by faith. They go together. But love is, love is so powerful, but it has to be understood in context. And sometimes when we read the scripture and we do it quickly, and I, I tend to talk fast, sometimes we can miss a thing. But when Jesus was asked, can you, tell us how, can you teach us how to pray, Lord? You guys remember the Lord's Prayer? He, he, he gave them a model of a prayer. Nowadays, we say it oftentimes verbatim, but it's really more like a model of a prayer. And he said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, so on. And if you just say it fast, you can miss a real powerful part because when Jesus was talking, the disciples were listening. When Jesus was talking, they were paying close attention and I think some of them were probably taking notes. Maybe Peter, he was over there with an iPad and he was just, go ahead, Rabbi. How do we pray? I'm gonna write this down. And John, he was more old school. So he was like, all right, Jesus, I'm ready. You go ahead. I'm about to <laughs> chisel this out. What's the date again? Got it. And if you say it fast, and, and we've all probably heard that prayer. Most of us probably prayed it a hundred times. I know in sports, we used to pray it. Even in public school, when I was growing up, we would pray that prayer. But if you say it quick, you'll miss it. He didn't say Father. He said Our Father. I bet you the disciples, John was taking notes. He's like, Jesus, hold up. You just said Our Father. We don't have all, you know, the Bible says if, if we had everything Jesus did, good, written down, all the books in the world wouldn't hold it, the Bible says. 
But I'll bet Jesus looked back at him and said, No, this, that's what I'm trying to tell you, John. What I'm about to do, it's not about, it's not about a religious ideology. You're about to call my dad your dad. Because the Bible later says, and I, I'm not going to turn there for the sake of time, but in the book of Romans, it says that we're children of God, and if children, then heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. It's one thing to have a good job and be in relationship with the owner of the company. It's a whole nother thing when your dad owns the business. I had a good friend of mine who got a very successful business and when one of his daughters got to be about 20 years old, she came into the business. She had all these ideas and was doing them. And one of the guys that had worked in the business for like 10 years comes to the owner and he says, he goes, hey, he said, uh, you know what? just want you to know I kind of had a little conversation you know with your daughter and you know a lot of what she says is good but you know she just doesn't understand and I told her this and I told her that and my friend the owner of the company said you see your problem is you think you're talking to another employee but you're actually talking to an owner she was an heir doesn't mean that he wasn't going to help her and direct her and all those other things but it's a completely different thing when you realize when you speak to the God of the universe that flung the stars in the sky that pulled the mountains out of the ground drug his finger through the earth and made rivers can do all these things and you can call him your dad now you begin to understand love. Now you begin to understand. If I said to you, every lady here, if I said to you, uh, if I had a snake up here, would you want to hold it? 90% of the room would go, absolutely not. Oh my gosh. But if that snake was laying on your child, you'd tear that snake into 10 pieces and throw it in the yard. Because mama bear do what mama bear do. You know what I'm saying? That's because it's your child. He said you are a child of God. Even though you are actually an adult in this environment. You just don't act like it. No, I'm just kidding. You're a child of God. And if a child, then an heir and a joint heir. Did you know a joint heir means Jesus is not just our Lord, but also our brother? Why do you think James is even in the Bible? James is Jesus' half-brother born to Mary, who called him Lord, but was also his brother. You see, love is understanding the family you've been grafted in then when you understand now you understand the access you have so Jesus is out there teaching and he goes hey guys you see that little bird right there flying around and they're like yeah he said you know our father he feeds that bird every day makes sure it gets food now do you guys think that that bird is more important to God than you are 
And you got to understand, this is 2,000 years ago. Nowadays, somebody probably goes, yes, I sure do, as a matter of fact. Birds are not more important than people, okay? I like birds. Deep fried in all kind of different ways. <laughs> they said, no, we don't think so. Jesus said, well, if, if God makes sure that that bird has enough to eat, now can you understand you, his child, how he supplies your needs according to his riches and glory? When I tell my kids, hey, guys, let's go eat, not one of them, never one time in 11 years of being a dad have any of them said, well, dad, where are we going to get the money? That's not their job. That's not what they're called to do. I'm the dad, and I supply their needs according to my wealth, my riches. You, a child of God, He supplies your needs according to His riches in glory. And Jesus, His Son, goes, get this, you get to call Him Dad too. And because of that, now you can understand how love works from heaven to us and then through us to the world. Somebody give God a hand of praise. Let's all stand to our feet. Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus. I don't want you to leave that way. Maybe you're here today and you say, I used to walk strong with him, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son and I want to give my heart new and fresh to him today I want you to he wants you to he loves you and he wants you to be able to say our father if that's you and you've never said yes to Jesus you've never given your heart to him when I count to three I want you to lift your hand please bow your head and close your eyes maybe you'd say it differently you'd say that's me preacher I'm the other guy I'm the one that I used to walk strong with him but I just derailed somewhere Well, your father's not up there going, well, I just want him to stay away from me. He's up there going, I just want you to come home. The Bible said when the prodigal son was away from God, was away from his father in the story, that the father saw him coming from afar off. And I love this part. He ran out to meet him. If you used to walk strong with God and you're about to give your life back to him, You can anticipate the God of all the universe running in your direction faster than you're moving in his direction. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you and I count to three and you want to give your heart to Jesus today, just lift a hand. One, two, three. Lift your hands. Wow. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? I see that hand. Lift it tall and bold. I see that hand. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else? We're about to pray. Lift it tall and bold. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. sense the presence of God right now we're going to pray in just a minute but 
Everybody just lift your hands. Lord, we're not in a hurry. We're here for you. Would you move on our hearts today? Would you heal our bodies and our minds? Those that don't know you, would you make yourself known to them? I love being able to call you my father because it's unfettered access we have to you when we're in the family. Thank you, Lord. 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 If you're sick in your body, you just be healed right now where you are in the name of Jesus. If you, if you have a shoulder, if you have something going on with your shoulder, and you just need God to heal it. You say, man, if God would heal that for me, it would change my, it would change my daily life. If that's you, just wave a hand at me. Say, it's my shoulder. It's my shoulder. I see you, I see you, I see you. It would change my daily life if my shoulder was healed. I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you. If you're believing God for your, for your shoulder to be healed, just come right out of your chair. Come right out here to the front. I'm going to lay hands on you. We're going to believe God's going to heal you today. Come right up here to the front. Right here at the front, guys. And just lift your hands as best you can and just worship God while you're here. On holy ground. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just worship the Lord here at the front. Now, if you're here and you want to give your heart to Jesus today for the first time or for the first time in a long time, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand real high right now. There were several of you a minute ago, but there's going to be a couple more. Just lift it real high right now. I want you to pray this after me. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian now in the family of God on my way to heaven. And I have full access to the kingdom because my dad owns it all. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give God a big hand of praise. Now, if that's you and you made that decision, Christians do three things. Christians pray. If you don't know how to pray, talk to God like you're talking to your best friend. Christians read their Bible. That's number two. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Start with the book of John. Stop by the 10 after service. Ooh, I feel faith in this place. Mm. Number three, Christians go to church. 
If you live within 100 miles of right here and you gave your heart to Jesus, welcome to New Heights Church. Welcome home in Jesus' name. You guys just stay in a real attitude of worship up here at the front. I sense a strong anointing right here. Very strong. Very strong. I'm going to ask one other thing, those in the congregation. If you're here today and you've never joined a church or you've never joined this church, but you know that New Heights Church is the church for you. Thank you, Lord. 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 What a mighty God you are. Thank you, Father. If you've never joined New Heights Church, but you know this is the place for you, I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to put a microphone in your face, but we would love to celebrate with you. We have a new members class, but sometimes it's hard to get to because of scheduling. The Bible says that when we dwell in unity, that God commands the blessing on you, and I want the blessing of God on you and your family. So if that's you and you're here today and you've never joined the church, but you know this is the place for you, even if you're just here for school, even if you're just here on a job assignment, but you say, I don't know how long I'll be here. Listen, I want you to link arms with us because what we're trying to do is real simple. We're trying to love people and point them to Christ. And we want you to help us along the way. Amen. So if that's you and you know this is the place for you and you say, today's the day I want to join New Heights Church. The Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they'll flourish in the courts of our God. If that's you and I count to three, just lift your hand. Let us celebrate with you. One, two, three. Lift your hand. I want to join the church. I want to join the church today. Oh, praise the Lord. Give her a hand, y'all. Is there anyone else? If that's you, uh, before you leave, even if you filled that card out a hundred times, fill it out one more time and take it back to the tent. And one of our staff's going to get all the information about joining the church to you. Amen? Now every hand lifted, let's worship the Lord. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.